0: Greetings and welcome to Heirloom Radio, a different kind of oldies program. My name is John Lovering and I am your host for Heirloom Radio. You know, a very popular program is featured on this track. It stars Groucho Marx and his announcer George Fenneman in the comedy quiz show You Bet Your Life. The series debuted on ABC Radio on October 27, 1947, and then moved to the CBS radio network on October 5, 1949, before making a final transition to NBC TV and NBC Radio on October 4th, 1950. Seems like October was the month for change on uh, You Bet Your Life. Because the program had a rather simplistic format, it was quite easy to broadcast it on both radio and television, but not simultaneously. Groucho Marx honed his talents on vaudeville, and vaudeville is very, very much a visual medium so many of the laughs from the studio audience attending the television show were brought about by Groucho's facial reactions and other visual gimmicks, so the two versions were slightly different. The last radio show was aired on June 10, 1960, but the show continued on television, debuting in its final season on September 22, 1960, with the new title, The Groucho Show. Gameplay on each of the programs... You Bet Your Life was generally secondary to Groucho's comedic interaction with contestants and often with the announcer and assistant George Fenneman. Reruns of the program continue into the 1970s and beyond, and syndication is the best of Groucho, making it the first game show to have repeat episodes in the syndication market. That is attributed to the fact that the people enjoyed the comedic entertainment more than they enjoyed the answers to the questions as part of the game show. So here rebroadcast on Heirloom Radio is an episode of You Bet Your Life from the CBS Radio broadcast on April 20th, 1949. And now I should tell you that uh, this is a combination of two shows, plus the warm-up before the show began, as Groucho had some fun with the audience. So the track is about 60 minutes long. I think you'll enjoy it. So here is Groucho.
1: How many had the show last night? Pretty good average, 173, I think. <laughs> no, I'm... Oh, me, May fire when ready, Dwan. George is (laughs) cute. Ladies and gentlemen. You wouldn't think he's wanted by the police in three cities. (laughs) I
2: have a job to do.
3: All
2: right. Don't worry about me.
1: You mind your business, I'll mind mine. (laughs) I know Budinsky (laughs) is... Ladies and gentlemen... You know, with Bowen and...
3: uh...
1: (laughs) I was just thinking of Bowen and Aldridge. Now, they're now going to run for mayor. It really doesn't make any difference. Mickey Cohn's going to run the city anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, I gave that woman her house back. That was the thing that was underemphasized in this whole thing, you know. They all forgot about this woman. I was lying awake night, worrying about her. What a crook that <laughs> You know, the awful part of it is. That may be going on all the time in this town. I mean, people losing their houses for bills of 8 or $9. If this hadn't come up, nobody would have found out about it. If she'd lost her house, I would have been... Go ahead, just. <laughs> <clears throat> just go ahead. Don't bother. Ladies and gentlemen. He calls himself an
2: announcer. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is head. H-E-A-D. Really? You bet your life. American creators of America's most beautiful compacts, smartest cigarette cases, finest dresser sets present Groucho Marx in the Elgin American Show. You'll bet your life. The comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here's that Sterling Elgin American, the one, the only. Welcome for Elgin American
1: compacts, Mr. Marx. Oh, that's me, Groucho Marx. <laughs> Thank you. Tonight we have $1,000 for one of our couples. George Feniman who's first to try and take it away
2: from me? Just before we went on the air, the studio audience selected a bachelor and a spinster to be on the show. And here they are. Miss Harriet DeBow and Mr. Norton Schreiner meet Groucho Marx. Welcome,
1: welcome to the Elgin American program, folks. And if you say the secret word at any time we're talking, you'll each win you the amazing new Apollo 16-millimeter sound movie projector. It's a common word, something you use every day. Miss, uh... De is that? Yes, the, sir. Deboe, is
4: that? Yes, sir. French? Yes, it is. That French is. descent. Huh? French descent. French descent. That's
1: good enough for me. Now, you're a spinster, eh? And yes, I am, sir. What kind of uh, work do you do, uh, Harry? Well,
4: I, for 20 years I was the telephone supervisor and 20 years a hotel clerk. I'm now retired and going to school.
1: You're kind of doing the whole thing backwards, aren't you? <laughs>
3: I started out to
4: work very young.
1: You started out to work, and now you're going to school? Right? Yes, sir. You mm-hmm. romp to school in the morning, bring the teacher an apple or something? No, I go to evening school.
4: I'm taking up vocabulary. What do you bring in the
1: evening? Pancakes? Or... Yes,
4: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and uh, now you, how long have you been going to school? About well, six months, sir. Six months, huh? You teach his pet?
3: Well, I'd like Some to Some of be.
1: them do. Uh, no, I mean... That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, an old joke. Just ignore that. You'd like to be the te- Is it a man, man teacher? No,
4: it's a uh, miss... Mr.
1: Like myself. Forget it. You're silly to even go there. Eh? <laughs> <You're> tell me. <laughs> if you just walk up and down in front of your house, you do much better. <laughs> Mr. Schreiner? Norton, Norton Schreiner,
5: is yes, that sir,
1: that's right? You're a bachelor. Huh? Yes,
5: sir. Now, what do you do besides bacheloring? Well, well I'm a relief man down at the Italian kitchen in, hell, in Los Angeles. You speak Italian? No, sir, I don't. What kind of relief do you bring them down? Well, just relieve other men so they can have a day off every week. Uh Once
3: a week. Once?
5: That's that's good. You just work once a week? No, sir. I work six days a week.
1: They have six men that uh, get relieved? Yes, sir. Suppose they had seven men. You'd be out of a job. Where are you from, Mr. Schreiner? From Seattle. Seattle Wash, huh? Yes, sir. Mighty nice city. Good fishing. You a stranger to Southern California? Don't, sir. I've been here about 20 years. 20 years? eh? You better make up your mind whether you're going to stay before your round-trip ticket expires. (laughs) How long have you been a bachelor?
5: 47 years. 47 years? Yes, sir.
1: How old are you? 47. Oh, you were a bachelor even when you were a kid? (laughs) No, not that long ago. How long have you been a bachelor, Harriet?
4: Twenty five years. Twenty five years.
1: Spinster, I meant.
4: Twenty five years. Twenty
1: five. You're twenty five years
4: old? No. Twenty five years a spinster. You're not born a spinster.
3: <laughs>
1: I know I wasn't,
3: huh?
1: <laughs> and how old are you now, Harriet? Within reason. Within reason? Yeah. Sixty. Sixty. Norton, what's the
5: reason you're not married? Well, I never met the right kind of a girl, I believe. And uh... Would you would you like to get married? Yes, sir, if I met the right person. Why? Why do you, why would you want to get married? Well, for love and companionship. And so... Either one or just uh... <laughs> Are
1: there are there many bachelors in your family? None. Bachelors don't run in your family, eh? If they did, they wouldn't be bachelors, eh?
5: You've never been hooked, eh? No, sir. Have you been on the brink of uh, being hooked? Yes, sir. I went with a girl for about two years, and uh, I think I was rather slow on the romance, and uh, they got acquainted with my cousins, and that was the end of it. Uh, You got acquainted with your cousin? No, sir, she did. Oh, she did, eh? And uh, your
1: cousin married her? Evidently. (laughs) What do you mean? You never heard from your cousin again? (laughs) You ought to investigate that. Maybe you have enough cousins that you don't care what happens to one little one. Why are you still single, Harriet, a charming woman like you? Thank you. Well,
4: I had... I had three chances.
1: Three chances? And you struck out? (laughs)
4: Too particular, I think. I lost them.
1: Your your standards were too high, eh? That's what
4: I think. Yes.
1: Now, I mean, would your uh, would you lower the standards?
4: Indeed, I would.
3: <laughs>
1: well, there's no reason why you shouldn't lower the standards. Clancy lowered the boom.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you would get married if the right man came along.
4: Indeed, yeah? I would.
1: Our, uh, Mr. Schreiner, what uh, type woman do you prefer? The bold, aggressive type, or the sweet, helpless, clinging vine type?
5: I prefer the sweet, helpless, clinging type. i not, not too helpless.
1: Not too helpless? Not too helpless. You don't mind how much they cling, though, huh? Of you know, you could get a grapevine, and you wouldn't have to... You get the same effect, and it wouldn't cost you anything. <laughs> Except that the roots, uh, keep, uh, getting mixed up with the tomatoes. Now, uh... You know, I haven't much idea what I'm talking about I think that makes it unanimous Now, Harriet, which type are you? Are you the clinging vine type or are you the aggressive uh, the aggressive type?
4: Well, I could be either one, but I'd rather be the clinging vine
1: But you're not sure which you are, huh? Now, suppose you found a woman you greatly admired, Norton How would you pursue
5: your courtship? Well, by being charming and polite and taking her candy once a month there's no danger of that girl getting
1: diabetes <laughs> you seriously think that a box of candy would last a girl a month? I don't, I don't know, I doubt it You'd have to supplement that with something else, you know Frankfurters or apples or Banana <laughs> splits or something And uh, how would you be charming, I mean specifically, what would you do? You turn the charm on and off like hot water.
5: Or? Well, you can do that you that can, way. Yes. But, and how do you do it? I mean. Well, by being or? pleasant. Pleasant.
1: Well, that's. A pretty fair way to do it. What would you? Where would you take her for entertainment? Has she seen night at the opera at the Marcal Theater?
5: <laughs> well, I'll take her. To don't the, you consider that entertainment? Huh? <laughs> no, we'll take her to the park. Within, take her to the, the park. Missouri. If I had my
1: choice, i take the park too. You take it to the zoo? Yes,
5: sir. You think that would be safe? Well, you can learn about wildlife, the birds, and the bees.
2: I didn't
1: know they had bees in the zoo. Why don't you take it to a, what do they call it? An aviary? Or something like that. Well, they have that in the park. Oh, they do. You're pretty familiar with the park, don't aren't you? <laughs> Hey. a park expert. How does this all sound to you, Harriet? Uh, would you be interested in a man like Norton here? Well, oh, do <laughs> i healthy,
3: anyway. He's
1: robust. I think she's measuring you for size. <laughs> and and he, he has hair on
4: the top of his head. That's that's a...
1: You said head, and so you each win an Apollo 16-millimeter sound movie projector. Oh, thank you. Not thank only you. that, you could walk out of here with over $1,000 tonight. You're really using your head to good advantage tonight, Harriet. Why, thank you, sir. Well, you're a sweet young lavender blue, dilly-dilly blue.
3: <laughs> and here
1: are your gifts from Elgin American. For Norton, the silver finished cigarette case. And uh, Norton, get a load of all that scroll engraving mm-hmm. there, huh? And for Harriet...
4: Oh, I've always wanted for my dresser. Well. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Yes. That I never easy. could afford to buy myself a beautiful Elgin set like that. Thank you so much.
1: Well, it, it's a pleasure to give it to well, you,
4: Harriet. Thank
1: you, sir. Don't take it to school with you, that's all. <laughs> now, you have this lovely jewelers bronze dresser set with Ray's design, and I hope you're very happy with it, Harriet. Thank you, sir. Now, uh, what's the closest you ever came to marriage, Harriet.
4: Well, the second sweetheart that proposed to me was very, very fond of me, but, of course, I was quite young. And uh, while, after we were engaged, why I went out with other boys. So, of course, he didn't like that. He didn't? No.
3: <laughs> Some thought, fellows well, are nuts,
4: aren't they? he thought I was a butterfly or something, I guess, and so he didn't want to take any chances. So he asked me to return the engagement ring, which I did. And I've never been sorry for it.
1: And what happened to the third one?
4: Well, the third one went away to war.
1: And the first one?
4: Well, the first one, he, uh... Well, he uh, entered the uh, monastery. (laughs) Well, there's all kinds of escapes,
1: I
3: guess.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, would you still marry him today, uh, this, uh... This one with the butterfly episode, Harriet? Oh, I don't believe I would. You, why not?
4: He's married now. He's got about seven children. <laughs> He's got
1: seven children and you Six wouldn't marry seven, him?
4: No, no.
1: <laughs> would you marry him if he had four children and was married?
4: No, I don't believe I would.
1: <laughs> you're, a st- you're a stickler, aren't you? <laughs> now, what was your most embarrassing experience, Mr. Schreiner?
5: Well, when I was younger, I uh, had a tendency to walk in my sleep. And my folks had company one night and I walked without any clothes down, down through the company
3: and back upstairs and went
5: to bed. And I didn't know anything about it until the next morning. My folks told me I was very embarrassed.
1: You make a habit of doing this? when you do you don't, huh? You go to bed with an overcoat on now, I suppose. How old did you say you were, Norton? Twelve years old. You are now 12 years old? I was 12 years old. Oh, you were 12 years old. Well, at age, it's not so important. Now, uh let's say that... Let's pretend that I'm your father. Harriet, you pretend you've made up your mind about Norton and you want to marry him. You come into the parlor and I'm sitting there knitting a hot water bottle.
3: Of course.
1: Well, it looks better, I think, knitting. And you ask my permission. Now, you go ahead. What would you say to me? I'm your father now, and you ask me. We're only pretending... You're my father? You want to marry this chap And you come in the parlor And I'm sitting
4: Well, Father, I'd like to marry this uh, Young man I know he's much younger than I am But I probably need a younger man
3: (laughs) He's healthy-looking
4: I think he could earn me a good livelihood once a month. Bring me box of candy? That would be nice. He wants the clinging vine. I can be a clinging vine.
1: Well, at this moment, the water is running out of the hot water bottle. <laughs> well, my son has expensive tastes. Uh, could, you, could you support me, too? Yes, I'd be willing to
4: support you, too. And
1: he's a growing boy, you know. Would you care for him through his customary childhood ailments like gout and rheumatism? <laughs> yes, I Falling think I would. Huh?
3: Yes,
1: I would. He's always had a roof over his head. Could you give him a nice home? Where?
4: No, he'd have to provide the home for me.
1: So would there be room enough for me, too?
4: Yes, indeed. We'd make room for you. Well,
1: Harry, you have my permission. You may marry my son. Huh? <laughs> Blessings on thee, little man, barefoot boy with cheeks of tan. My name is Groucho Marx, and I'm 81 years old. Now, uh, Norton, what have you got to say for yourself?
5: Well, I don't know. Why don't you marry her, Father? <laughs> hey,
3: <all
1: right. laughs> Norton, I'd be only too glad to, but I don't think my wife had let me get away with it in just one minute, you'll play the Elgin
2: American game for $1,000. You bet your life. But first, Mr. Feneman, Have you looked at your mother's compact lately? Mother's Day is May 8th, and an exquisite new Elgin American compact is the glorious gift of beauty and utility she'll carry with the greatest pride for a long, long time. Because it's first in fashion, jewel-like in finish, and perfectly made the famous Elgin American way. Tomorrow, see these preferred compacts in smart costume colors, silver finish, jeweler's bronze, and sterling silver at your favorite store, and at the price you want to pay. And see also Elgin American's thrilling new companion line of compacts, American Beauty, priced as low as $2.95. Tell Mother she's number one with you by giving her a superb new compact with America's number one name, Elgin American.
1: Now, let's see if you two will get a chance at the
2: $1,000 question. You're going to play you Bet Your Life. Fenneman, tell them the rules. Each of our three couples has $20. They bet as much of that $20 as they want on each of four questions. The couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the $1,000 question at the end of the show. Our other two couples are in a waiting room off stage, so they won't know what goes on until it's their turn. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you twenty dollars. What question category did you select?
1: Co-stars cool in recent movies. That's right. Now here's your first question. How much of the twenty you're going to go for? Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Who
5: played opposite Bob Hope in The Pale Face? Oh, uh, Jane
1: Russell. Jane Russell is right. On their way with thirty dollars. Remember, you're going for a thousand dollars tonight. How much of your thirty dollars will you try? Twenty. Twenty? Is that all right? Yes. Sir. Who played opposite Jane Wyman and Johnny Belinda?
5: Uh, Lou Ayers.
2: Lou Ayers is correct. Now they have
1: $50. Here's your third question. You have $50. How much are you going to try this time? 40 40 You don't care what Harriet says. Well, oh, no, I'm no. the
4: clinging vine. Oh, Harry. you're the he clinging do vine. Whatever right.
3: he says is okay. Oh,
1: fine. Who played opposite Loretta Young and Mother as a freshman? Ben
3: Johnson. Ben, ben
1: Johnson.
3: Oh, They're so right on their
1: way. They have $90. You have climbed up to $90. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much will you try? All of it. All of it. Who played opposite Madeline Carroll and don't trust
2: your husband?
5: Uh, Fred McMurray.
2: Fred McMurray is right. (laughs) And they wind
3: up with
1: $180. Don't forget, you each won an Apollo sound movie projector for saying the secret word. Thanks, and good luck
2: from Elgin American Compacts. Now, don't go away. You still have a chance at the big question. Perhaps the next couple will say the secret word, too, Groucho. Remember, it's head. They've been in the waiting room offstage. Okay, boys, bring them in. Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected a telephone operator and a housewife, and here they come. Operator Pat Gilbert and housewife Jean Benjamino meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, girls. Welcome to the Elgin American program.
1: And if you say the secret word at any time we're talking... You'll each win the amazing new Apollo 16-millimeter sound movie projector. It's a common word, something you use every day. Miss uh, Gilbert, uh, you're the the telephone operator, eh? Yes. Where are you from? Uh, Patricia, uh, Patricia Mm -hmm. Gilbert. The
4: telephone
1: company. (laughs) You're from the telephone company. (laughs) That's where you were born?
6: (laughs) Well, sometimes
1: I think so. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I've been in the hands of the receiver many times. I thought... uh... (laughs) And now, uh, now that we're past that uh, persiplage, where, where, where are you from, uh, Pat? Uh,
6: I'm from Plymouth, Massachusetts. Plymouth, Massachusetts.
1: Yes. Rhode Island, Red.
6: Uh-huh.
1: Well, you look much no. better than that rock up there. Wow. Oh. Are, you, are you married, uh, Pat? No,
6: uh, I'm not. you know.
1: <laughs> pretty happy about it, too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> What kind of a man are you pursu- Are you working for?
3: Uh... Oh well,
6: I'm not very fussy. Someone like Gregory Peck, about six foot four, black hair, you know, just an ordinary. Mm.
1: Would you take Gregory Peck? Would you take Gregory Peck if he was six foot two?
6: Well, uh, I'd consider it.
1: <laughs> what kind of a man are you are you working for now, uh, Pat?
6: What kind of a man?
1: You're working for anybody? Don't you have a boss there?
6: Uh, no. There's all women where I work, <laughs>
1: unfortunately. are all Yes. Uh, <laughs> <right.
3: laughs>
1: Mrs. Uh, Jean uh, Benjamino?
3: Yes.
1: You Italian uh, descent?
7: No, I'm not. You're not? I'm Irish.
1: Irish, uh, Italian name, though. Uh, husband?
7: My husband's Italian. Husband.
1: We've been ignoring you, but I suppose you've been eavesdropping. You, yes, you? I have. After all, this is a party line. <laughs> Where are you from?
7: Uh, New Jersey.
1: New Jersey. And uh, how many children do you have? One. What does your husband do?
7: He's a civilian patrolman.
1: What is, uh, how many children does your husband have? One. <laughs> you say your husband is a civilian patrolman?
3: Yes, sir.
1: What,
5: what is that?
7: Well, He works for the War Department. he's a patrolman for them.
5: The War department?
7: Yes, sir. How'd you meet him? Well, I was on maternity floor. and uh,
1: You were on the floor?
7: I was, on... <laughs> I was in charge of the floor. I'm a registered nurse. Oh. And uh, He was up there visiting. The first time I saw him, he visited this lady three times. And I saw him out in the hall looking at the baby, so he stopped me and asked me for a date. Uh, I said no to him naturally. I told him he had. Married, he had a wife and baby. He says, oh, no, that's my sister that I've been visiting.
3: you believe that? Yes.
7: <laughs> yes. So the next night I was...
3: Nices
1: are notoriously susceptible.
7: <laughs> the next night I was down in the kitchen drinking coffee about 10.30, and all these nurses were coming in off their date, and I heard this rapping on the window. I looked up, and there was this handsome guy that had asked me for the date. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm
1: sorry, Mrs. Benjamino. Your your three minutes are up. You'll have to deposit another ten cents.
3: Huh? <laughs> uh-huh. go, right,
1: go right ahead. Dude. Don't pay any attention to me at all. Well, Nobody else
7: does. He asked me to go crabbing with him. Where? Go crabbing with him. Rambing? Yes, sir.
1: Soft or hard shell?
7: Soft.
3: <laughs>
7: so I told him no. But well, he says, if you don't give me a day to go crabbing with me tomorrow... I'm going to raise everybody up in the hospital and wake everybody up.
1: He was pretty crabby already, wasn't he? <laughs>
3: so
7: I said, okay, I'll go crabbing with you tomorrow if you'll just get away from me minute. You know, I didn't mean to keep that day.
1: Well, have you ever gone crabbing with anybody else before? Is that the customary procedure for romance in the Yes, case,
7: during, no? during the summertime, they go crabbing. They don't go
1: dancing? They go crabbing, everybody?
7: <laughs> they go dancing, too. Well?
1: While they're crabbing? Uh, <laughs> And do
7: they go crabbing while they're dancing? I imagine
1: some of
7: them do. <laughs> so, now you're in the boat, huh? No, uh, I was asleep the next day, because uh, uh, I was sleeping, and you know, I was on night duty. So, uh, I heard this rap on the door, and the matron comes in. And she says, there's a nice young man. I said, you went to go crabbing with him? I said, oh, no. She says, oh, get up, evidently. He had sat the of the matron and convinced him that I should go crabbing with him. So she talked to me and talked me into going crabbing with him. So.
1: He was a very persuasive fellow, wasn't
7: he, he? He certainly was. And is
1: he still very persuasive?
7: Yes, he is. Did he talk you into anything? Well, he talked me into three months crabbing with him. And when the crabbing season was over, well, we just started yes, to Yes, what did you do when
1: the crabbing season was over? Huh? <laughs> There comes a time in every couple's life when the crabbing season is over.
7: <laughs>
1: then they get married and the crabbing starts all over again. So?
7: Well, we got married.
1: After the crabbing, the devil. I know. <laughs> yeah. Now, operator, do you mind if I give you a buzz again? What kind of an operator are you?
6: Oh, I'm a telephone operator. I'm the operator you get when you dial o.
1: oh. Oh, I must oh. dial O more often. <laughs> Obviously, you're the belle of the phone company, huh? As a, as a phone operator, how many hours a day are you on the phone? Oh,
3: eight hours.
1: You spend eight hours a day on the phone, huh? Mm-hmm. Typical woman. Oh! I don't see how you get any work done. Now, housewife, on an average day, how much time do you spend talking on the phone? Oh,
7: about
1: an hour altogether. An hour. And what do these calls consist of, mostly?
7: Social calls.
1: Social calls. Yes. What do you talk about?
7: Well, most my sister calls me up and talks about her boyfriend most of the time, and my arm gets broken. <laughs> I prop it against the table, and there she goes, she talks, talks, talks.
3: Why? Is I she... don't do
7: any talking, she does it all.
1: What is what does she talk? What is the gist of this? I mean, is she complaining about her boyfriend, or?
7: Well, she's just giving me the whole story of everything that happens.
1: And is there a new story every morning?
7: <laughs> no, it's the same old story. So that's when I just sit there and listen. I see.
1: Well, you could put stuff in your ears, you know.
7: I guess I could go make the beds up and watch you and come back again. She'd never know I left the phone.
1: (laughs) Well, try that tomorrow, will you? (laughs) Well, we have some wonderful gifts for each of you. Elgin American's Jewelers Bronze Compact engraved with flowers. It's perfect for Mother's Day.
7: Thank you so much. This is
1: beautiful. And, operator, how do you like it? Isn't that a very nice number? Uh, Lime is busy. To satisfy my curiosity, why aren't there men telephone operators?
6: Well, uh, we did have them when the company first started, but uh, they were very discourteous to the customers and they used bad language. And they didn't have the patience that the girls have to sit there all day. So finally they decided to have women operators, you know, the voice with the smile.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very pretty smile. <laughs> I thought it was because of a man answered, Everybody would hang up.
3: <laughs>
1: what 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 training is is necessary for your job, Pat?
6: Well, uh, we go through twelve weeks training on um, with a, an instructor on a dummy board. Dummy board. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Is there anything like a smorgasbord? <laughs> what is a dummy board?
6: Well, it uh, may have to look just like a real board, but uh, the only thing is it, it seems like you're on a real board, but it's not connected up. They can't put any closer.
1: And the board of directors are all dummies? They sit around there watching. <laughs> How can you tell when some swindler sticks a slug on a phone instead of a nickel?
6: Well, I listen to money so often I can tell by the tone of the bell.
1: Well, remember that. I've lost a lot of slugs lately.
3: Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah. I always thought you operators bit the nickel face before you put the call through. <laughs> must get pretty monotonous sitting there all day, doesn't it? Uh, what do you do yes. for relaxation? Mm. Take the plug out for a canter around the park?
6: Oh, that's an idea.
1: Yeah? How often do you have a rest period, Pat?
6: Oh, we have a rest period about every two hours. Uh-huh.
1: Do you ever get angry when, uh, with a subscriber who balls you out?
6: Oh, no. I'm trained to be very uh, patient and true.
1: I never get angry. Never get angry. No. Tread softly and carry a big stick.
3: Yeah.
1: Richity. T- <laughs> Richard will t- Well, you have nice teeth. You can grit
3: them.
1: If I grit mine, they'll fall out, huh?
3: <laughs>
1: you treat your customers with a great deal of respect and reverence. I've noticed that you always observe two full minutes of silence before you answer a call. Oh <laughs> <laughs>
3: because we're busy. You're busy, huh?
1: Now, what's the strangest call you ever had, Pat? Um, And what's the strangest Pat you ever had call,
6: huh? (laughs) Well, one of the strangest calls the other day, this man called me up and he said, Operator, how about fixing me up on a date tonight with a blonde? (laughs) I have a lot of calls like that. But Mm -hmm. this one, uh, I don't know. (laughs) But he thought it was the lonely hot spirit
1: (laughs) You don't answer any of those calls at all? Suppose it had been for a brunette, (laughs)
6: well
1: <laughs> Now, what's the most embarrassing experience you've ever had?
6: Most embarrassing experience? Well, I can't think of any single one. Oh, well, the other day I um, answered this call. It was a private line signal. I was so busy working, you know, I didn't notice. I took it for a coin box, so I pressed the coin return, and I said, please deposit 40 cents for three minutes. <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm afraid I'm speaking from my own home. <laughs> Where do I deposit it? <laughs> Is my face (laughs) red? Well, they could
3: have
1: dropped it in the garbage (laughs) disposal. Now, what was the most expensive call
8: you ever had, Pat?
6: Well, um, I don't know too many expensive ones, but last year when I worked on Long Distance, I had uh, a man placing a series of calls about three or four to Europe, to England, and places like that. And it must have amounted up to about $400. I think he was a movie producer.
1: Like that. <laughs> of course, I don't listen in. You didn't eavesdrop at all? No.
6: <laughs>
1: Not at all? Well,
3: um,
6: sometimes you have to listen a little to see if they're getting the right
1: number. Might have, might have been Rita and Allie you know. <laughs> in there. You know, the most expensive telephone call I ever made only cost me a nickel. I proposed to my wife on the phone. <laughs> a party line. I got five acceptances and three refusals. <laughs> now, wrong number. On your job, you must overhear some fascinating conversations. Do you ever learn any state secrets?
6: Um, no. No, uh, we're not
1: women's. No That's least. against rule X-923. Is that the rule? Yeah. Can you, can you give me that number again.
6: <laughs> well, something like that. What is it? X-0923? Yeah. That's
1: a number, <laughs> huh? I like your number better now. How do you know, uh, <laughs> How do you know when my three minutes are up on a long-distance call?
6: Well, uh, when you start talking, I have a clock there, and I time it, and I, uh, I know just what time your three minutes is up, so I know
1: And housewife, what's your chief complaint against the phone company? In addition to your sister?
7: <laughs> well, I, when I get my bill, I think they charge me. Are they charge too much because or they can't count or something. Because it seems like they, they've got more calls on the. Bill than I can recall
1: making. <laughs> in other words, you're implying that they're crooks, is that? It?
3: <laughs>
1: I can have a choice in a laundry bill. I can't figure mine out. Extra calls, they don't know no details or anything. Mm. What have you got to say to that operator?
6: It's well, a pretty uh, serious if, charge. Well, it's the customer's fault, because they don't realize how long they talk. Three minutes... Don't goes blame up. her, it's her
1: sister, isn't it? <laughs> <her? laughs> what, what advice do you have for your customers? Well, um... Do you have anything to tell them that could uh, cut down their phone bill? Cut down their phone
6: bill? Well, maybe to time their calls or not to talk so much. <laughs> not now, to go into such detail. Oh, I
1: see. Now, but suppose, suppose I called you up and tried to make a date with you. What would you do? Suppose I'd call you up and say, uh, operator, uh, what are you doing tonight? No, I've well, heard your I... voice over the phone, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's very musical. It It does, <laughs> huh? Well, what do you do? How do you answer
6: that? Well, <laughs> I try to get around it, give him the pressure. So, uh, talk him out of it. Or be very businesslike. If I can't get rid of him, I give him to the supervisor.
3: And, let and he goes out with it? It? Well,
6: <laughs> I don't know. I can't
3: hear <laughs>
1: Recently, I was talking to a friend who only lived three blocks away, but I could hardly hear him. What would you say was the trouble? Oh,
6: I guess you had a bad connection.
1: Connection? He was (laughs) hollering out the window. (laughs) A busy signal. What are your favorite complaints against telephone subscribers?
6: Oh, uh, they're not very courteous, and besides that, they treat... Treat us like we're
1: a machine, and after all, we're not. <laughs> you certainly don't look like a machine to me, Pat, huh? Eh? Oh, thank you. If that was the way machinery looked, I'd become an engineer in the morning, eh?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: let's see how, how you handle a call. Pretend I'm placing a call to Sam Magawidowisk in Glendale. I just dialed operator. Now, go ahead. Uh,
6: what is the name,
1: please? Sam Magawidowisk.
3: Uh, but how do you spell that? S-A-M, please?
1: Sam. I mean the
6: other
1: name, Mr. Whiskey. If I could spell it, I'd write him a letter.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Well, it was very instructive having you here. Now, let's play You Bet Your Life. You run your twenty dollars, and the more than the other couples, you get a chance at the thousand dollar question. Benjamin, remind our listeners how much the first couple won. Here we go. Let's see how high you can build your twenty dollars. What question category did you select? The popular
6: songs by Harold Arlen. Oh,
1: that's right. Here's your first question. How much of the twenty are you going to try? Speak right up loud. There's over 200 people listening to this all over America. <laughs> huh? Ten. You'll try. Ten dollars you're going to try? Give me the title of this great all in tune. Play, Jerry. I don't know why. Stormy weather.
3: Stormy
1: weather is right. <laughs> well, now have $30. Remember, you're going for $1,000 tonight. How much of the $1,000, uh, wait, how much of your $30 will you go for? I got a little ahead of myself Mr. there. 30 25. What's the name of this island song written in collaboration with Johnny Mercer? We
7: need girl, The girl
1: I'm uh, No. One answer between you. Now, take your time and think it over carefully. That old black magic. That old black,
7: black, old black, black and magic. is
1: yes, right. Well, the real other way now, they have $55. You now have $55. And here's your third question. And how much of the $55 will you wangle on this? Fifty. Let's see if you can identify this all in melody. Okay, Jerry.
2: Accentuate the positive.
1: Accentuate the positive. That's exactly what they're doing. They now have $105. Yippee! E, you have $105. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the $105 will you nibble at? No, no coaching
7: now. You know how long. much you the other couple or want?
1: 90? Ninety? ninety. Ninety dollars, eh? In German, they call that Oscar Auscaration. All right, ninety dollars, huh? Eh? What's the name of this melody by Harold Allen? Paper
3: Moon, it's only a paper one. Paper moon. moon! And they wind up with one hundred and ninety-five dollars.
2: Thanks,
1: and good luck from Elgin American Compacts. Now, in just one minute, our last couple will play you bet your life. And then we know who gets the chance at the $1,000 question. Fenneman, say something new for a change. How about a nice recipe?
2: A recipe? All right, Groucho, how's this? A recipe for happiness. Take a lovely new Elgin American dresser set. Give it to Mother on May 8th, Mother's Day. And see how perfectly delighted she'll be. This is the gift that really dresses up a bedroom. It's the unusual gift that proves you gave thought to Mother's Big Day. These dresser sets come in a range of easy prices and lovely designs, with or without matching powder jars. Combs are hand-cut, bristles are nylon, mirrors are specially ground for extra clear reflection. Every detail is Elgin American perfect for the perfect gift Mother deserves. See these beautiful, beautiful dresser sets tomorrow. For the Mother's Day gift she'll cherish, for the special look it gives her bedroom, for that special cared-for feeling it gives her, give a charming new dresser set by Elgin American.
1: Now then, we'll soon know who's going to earn the most
2: money tonight and get the chance at the $1,000 question. George, who's ahead so far? Well, the telephone operator and the housewife are ahead with $195. And here's our final couple, Groucho. They've been in a waiting room off stage, so they don't know the secret word is head. Okay, boys, bring them in. Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected an antique dealer, Mr. Ed Roberts, and a dealer in war surplus materials, Mr. Sam Groden. Gentlemen, meet Groucho Marx.
1: Welcome, gentlemen, welcome for Elgin American Compacts. And if you say the secret word at any time we're talking, you'll each win the amazing 16-millimeter Apollo sound movie projector. It's a common word, something you use every day. An antique dealer, eh? Uh, where are you from? Uh... I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, Groucho. Boston, Massachusetts. The home of the antique, isn't That's it? That's right. In a nice way, And uh, where is your antique shop?
8: My antique shop is located at 9095 Santa Monica Boulevard. Are you uh, married? No, I'm not, Groucho.
1: Have you got a girlfriend?
8: I sure have. Are you going to get married? Well, that lies in the future. Well, it usually does, huh? <laughs> how, how did you meet your girlfriend? Well, we were walking... I was walking along Hollywood Boulevard one day, Groucho. That's the place for it, then. Right near the corner of mine.
1: La Brea isn't bad, either. I got one a couple of weeks ago on a the top there.
8: I bumped into her while uh, she was walking lunch. She was carrying a lot of bundles. And the bundles scattered all over the street. I bent down to help her pick them up. And at the same time, she did, and our head's bumped.
1: Well, my head is bumping, too, tonight, dear. Here we go again. You said it, head, and that's the secret word. So that means you each win an Apollo 16-millimeter sound movie projector. It's also highly possible that you might walk off with $1,000 for the big question tonight. Now, where were we before you poked your head into the show, huh? I was bumping my head. You were bumping heads, huh? You were doing the bumps
8: on Hollywood Boulevard, huh? That's right. And uh, what happened? Well, I helped her pick up her packages, and we went into one of the drugstores for a Coke and started to talk, and ever since then, we've both been talking. LAUGHTER What happened to the bundles?
1: Did you ever find out what was in the bundles?
8: No, I didn't. Did it ever occur to you that
1: perhaps this was a device on her part to hook you? No, it sure didn't.
3: You
1: look like a pretty happy young guy, and I'm surprised that you should get fooled by anything as obvious as that.
3: We do, no matter how happy
1: we are. It doesn't make any difference, no. Ultimately, you'll get hooked, (laughs) eh? Uh, Mr. Gro- Sam Grodin, huh? you're the war cyclist Yes, sir. We have two stores. Oh, oh, now, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's get in a few words about else in American first, huh? <laughs> You have two stores, eh? Huh? Right. you deal in war cyclist. That's right. How many times have you been indicted? Uh... <laughs> how's, how's business, Mr. Groden? Just fair. Business is fair, huh? By a surplus war. <laughs> we got a brand new one coming up. Where are you from, Mr. Grodin? Los Angeles. Native son. Make a Some Native daughters out there would like to hook you, too. Already married. Already married. You're wasting your time. You are married, eh? That's right. Is your uh, present wife your first sweetheart? Oh, uh, she isn't. What happened to the others? Well, they just Did you sell to... them a surplus? <laughs> no, oh, I didn't sell them a surplus. Uh, when I went to the Navy, I just forgot about them. That's a the typical Navy attitude. Isn't it? <laughs> now, uh, Mr. Roberts, the antique
8: dealer, just, just what is an antique? An antique is generally, uh, has a general conception of being at least over 100 years old. That's that uh, the only
1: qualification.
8: That's the main qualification for an antique.
1: Well, I'm coming down the stretch. You can uh, can get me in about three months, huh? Is your girlfriend fond of antiques? She sure is. Well, will you, uh, the next time you bump into her, uh, will you give her my phone number? (laughs) What was your most unusual experience as an antique dealer?
8: Well, Groucho, uh, my most unusual experience was having a woman walk in the shop she was uh, shopping for a soup tureen. Well, she. Any
1: particular kind? Noodle or matzo ball or. Probably <laughs> matzo ball. Matzo ball right? Are See, there differences uh, between soup terrains? I mean.
8: Uh, not as far as uh, mutton and noodles. <laughs>
1: but... You mean, a uh, soup tureen is a soup tureen. I mean, it'll, it'll handle matzo balls or noodles,
3: huh?
8: <laughs> uh, I'm glad to know that, you know. She had a different kind for each one, eh? So, anyway... Well, anyway, she found one that she liked very much. The only uh, trouble with it is that I had to remind her that most soup tureens had two handles. This was not a soup tureen, as it only had one
3: handle. <laughs>
8: she liked it well enough bought Barton anyway. I think she's serving soup now. Well, I'll skim over that,
3: eh? <laughs>
1: How do, you, how do you junk dealers, I mean antique dealers, uh, how do you get those holes in old furniture? Do you have a little squad of trained worms? That,
8: uh... No, if a piece is antique, then it's got those holes in it already.
1: Yeah, sir. Well, how does it get the holes in it? It's
8: well, just... I don't know who trained the little worms, but evidently <laughs> there were worms at one time that did make the holes in the
1: pieces. And that's the uh, only uh, test of an antique? No, it? that isn't the only
8: test, but it's one of them. Where do you get your antiques? Well, I have all of my antiques shipped you in. You breed your in. own wines? <laughs> you have them all shipped in? I have them shipped in from the New England states. My mother does the buying back there from various private estates.
1: Long trips uh, she makes through the uh,
8: small towns. And That's places. right, through the small towns of New England. Have you
1: uh, ever been fooled by a phony one?
8: I sure have.
1: How do uh, how do people get bamboozled? By?
8: Well, when I first started in the business, I went ahead and bought something that I believed genuinely to be an antique. A man walked in, and I tried to sell him this piece and found out that he'd reproduced it himself less than two years before that time.
1: Well, when you get stuck with
8: an antique that was made in Grand Rapids, uh...
3: are you
1: always successful in palming it off on some sucker?
8: None of my antiques come from time in New England, I knew he got
1: stuck with an antique. But I knew instantly our, pain, our paint was cracked in the wrong places. Actually, our legs were what fooled me. I thought they were Duncan Five legs. As a matter of fact, they did belong to Duncan Five. Legs. I know, because he came back the next morning and got them. He was pretty drunk. His name might have been Drunken Five. I don't remember. <laughs> now, uh, War Cypress, you've been standing there like you were Cypress. Uh, wake up. You're about to make a sale. Come here. Uh, just what do you sell? Well, you name it, we have it. Okay, watermelons. <laughs> I mean, specifically, what do you sell? Oh,
3: you name no, it, tense. we have
8: it. You sell what? Tents, tarps,
0: uh, tarps, shovels. Lifeboats, huh?
2: lifebelts.
1: So lifeboats? Lifeboats. boats. you have water in your store? Or... <laughs> Not very far from the water. Well, how do they find out if the boat is uh, non-leakable? Well, these are all brand-new boats. They come in original cartons. <laughs> how big are these scouts? Well, seven-man boat. It's you really... mean seven men have to come in at one time to buy this thing? <laughs> Just one man comes in and buys it? That's right. Well, how long would you say it is? Oh, well, it's about 18 foot long. Mm-hmm. Well, what do they use them for? Go fishing in them. They don't go in the water, they just fish in the boat. I mean, are
8: that basic? Well no, well, they take them down to surf them, take them out and go fishing. Are they good uh good boats? Oh, brand what new. do you sell them for? Forty nine ninety-five, and that includes the fishing equipment, anchors, sea anchors, sails, oars. Not
1: an outboard motor with it, huh? No, no. no you don't
8: supply I to
1: buy that. one of those. That's huh? a good deal. Yeah. Where would you use it, huh? Take it off to the beach. Even road handle one of those, huh? Oh, it's easy. Hmm. Anything else you sell in your stores? Huh? Oh, shovels. May West.
8: How much is May West? I might come in We <laughs> sell her for $1.95. We also have uh life belts and uh jackets and shoes. You're all ready for a war, aren't you? <laughs> no,
3: not
8: right now. No, no.
1: you in the war the last one? I was in the Navy. Did you have your own boat? <laughs> so, uh, the government supply to inform me. What was your most embarrassing experience, uh war said.
8: most embarrassing experience is when I got married. <laughs> the judge was going through the ceremony, and uh, I kept saying, I do, I do, I do, and the judge says, One I do is enough. That was just about my most embarrassing experience. And what'd you say? I do.
1: <laughs> you just kept on repeating it, even after he uh, told you it was enough. Huh? I'm still
8: doing it. I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just an old yes man at home, eh? Not quite. Just to show you how welcome you are, we have an Elgin American silver finished cigarette case for each of you. These have an engraved panel design. Now, War cyclists, just uh, what does uh, most of your merchandise come from?
8: Well, Army, Navy, and
1: the Marine Corps. You were in the Navy, huh? That's right. I bet you had the biggest duffel bag in the Navy. Huh? <laughs> got trouble getting off the boat, didn't you? <laughs> what did they do? Did they lift you off every time you went off? No, not quite. I you were able mean... to get off under your own power? Always right? jump ship. <laughs> <laughs> Why does the Navy give you those things? Why don't they use it themselves? Uh, I don't know. I guess as soon as they... the war starts, everything is a scarcity of everything. They start looking around for all the things they just gave away. <laughs> I'll never understand the whole thing. You don't know any more about it than the next man, I suppose. and The next man happens to be an antique dealer. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's only interested in Civil War (laughs) cyclists. Look at him there, dreaming of Lillian Russell's bustle. (laughs) What what Navy cyclists do most people buy, Mr. Groden? Well, clothing's our biggest item. Clothing, huh? What's the largest (laughs) item you have for sale? Well, that's that big civil man lifeboat I was telling you about. Here we are, back in the water again. (laughs) Antique. Let me jack you away from the war of 1812 and bring you back to 1949. Well, I've still got some change in my pocket. What's the most valuable antique in your shop?
8: Well, I have a very uh, beautiful French porcelain steeple clock.
1: Why? Why is it valuable?
8: Well, it's approximately 400 years old, and it's a very beautiful item, very desirable. Very few of them in the country. Where'd you get it? It was purchased in New England. One of those private estates I was telling you about.
1: And what is it uh, up for now? I mean, how much
8: would it cost? Well, the price to you, Groucho, would be very small. I'd give you a dealer's discount, which would only cost you $350. I can get a boat for
1: $49. Is <laughs> this clock run? I wouldn't guarantee it, Groucho. Well, it wouldn't make any difference. I never know what time it is, eh? (laughs) anyhow. Now, look, I'm not going to buy anything, but do you have any rare bargains in addition to that? I mean, something a little cheaper. Nothing, huh? Not too much. What was your most embarrassing experience, Mr. Roberts?
8: Well, the most embarrassing experience I ever had, Groucho, was when I was invited to a basketball game. I was going to high school at the time. I thought there'd be a mixed crowd there. I walked in... Unfortunately, I found myself the only male in the crowd. The entire gymnasium was full of, full of women. You must have had a field day, eh? Huh? <laughs> Not quite. All I got was a lot of whistles and cat calls. Oh, and you didn't uh, do well at all? Then? Not too well, Groucho. Didn't get in the game at all? No, I was on the sidelines.
1: My Aunt Minnie has a passion for collecting old spinning wheels and fixing them. She can fix them so they stop on any number she wants to. Huh? <laughs> now, let's see how you work together as a team for $1,000. You're the last couple to play you bet you like. You beat the other two couples, and you get the $1,000 question. I can't tell you how much they won, but George is offstage to remind our listeners. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. What question category did you select? The one about the racetracks. Ra- ra- racetracks, yeah. Here's your first question. How much of the 20 will you go for? Ben, is that nine, all right with you, Eddie? That's fine. All right. And what state is Rockingham Park?
8: It's in Narragansett. Uh, uh, wait a minute. What, what state? state? Uh, what state? New Hampshire. New Hampshire is right. That's
2: a tough
1: one. They're off with $30. Yeah, remember you're going for a $1,000 tonight. How much of you $30? Will you try? We'll go for the 30 right? You're going for the 30, 30 yeah? That's right. you be clean on the second question.
8: Well, I'll be clean if I don't get to the right racetrack, huh? <laughs>
1: Where is Oaklawn Park racetrack? Chicago. Aye, Illinois. No, uh, I'm sorry. It's Arkansas. That was a tough one. You bet all your money and didn't do so well. I'm too soft-hearted to let you go home broke, so I'm going to give you one more chance. You get this one right and you win $10. It's a toughie, so think hard now. What large ocean washes the Atlantic coast of the United States?
2: The Atlantic. The Atlantic Ocean is around. That means that the telephone operator and the housewife with $195 get the chance at the $1,000 question. You know, it's hard, isn't it, to decide between a new Elgin American compact and a dresser set for your Mother's Day gift. Either one will make her extremely proud and happy because it's an Elgin American. And remember, that preferred name is on Elgin American's brand-new companion line of compacts, too, American Beauty, priced as low as $2.95. Mother will certainly appreciate your perfect taste in choosing a compact or dresser set made by America's leader, Elgin American. And here's the winning couple, the telephone operator and the housewife. Well, back again to try for $1,000, eh?
1: Good luck. I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on a single answer between you, so talk it over thoroughly and no
5: help from the audience, please.
1: Here it is for $1,000 in cash. The first Republican candidate for the presidency was a famous soldier who was known as the Pathfinder of the West. What was his name for $1,000? Think it over. What is the answer you two have decided upon?
6: William Cullen Bryant?
1: No, I'm sorry. The answer is General John C. Fremont, a great soldier and leader. Uh, He explored every part of the West, but he just couldn't find his way into the White House. So that means the big question next week will be worth $1,500. You've been a wonderful team, and in addition to the 16 millimeter Apollo Sound movie projector, you each won, you also earned $195 in the quiz. Congratulations
2: and thanks to both of you. The African American Show, you Bet Your Life, is a John Goodell production transcribed from Hollywood, directed by Bob Dwan and Bernie Smith. Music by Jerry Fielding. Remember, next week's big question pays $1,500. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time, for You'll Bet Your Life, starring Groucho Marx, presented by the creators of America's most beautiful compacts, smartest cigarette cases, and finest dresser sets. Good night, folks.
1: Young man, have you looked at your mother's compact lately?